Can I remind you of something this evening? That there is no gift of evangelism. We are all commanded to go. You go, well, pastor, I, I, I don't really have the gift of gab. It's not about the gift of gab. It's about obedience to what God has commanded us to do. Welcome back to this wonderful time together. If you have your Bibles, uh, I would encourage you to turn with me to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. And uh, I appreciated the, uh, the choir arrangement as they were singing concerning um, the, uh, the need in missions. And as Pastor was um, talking a little bit and reminding us of the need for missions, I hope that... Uh, I hope that this will be a help and a blessing to you this evening. In Mark chapter number 5, um, we're going to pick up reading in verse number 1. I want to preach to you on this subject today. Um, I, I've entitled this simply Home Missions, but really I want to stir our hearts here in, uh, are we in July still or are we in August yet? I don't even know what. Are we in August now? August 1st today. Whew. Man, I don't know about you, but time seems just to be spinning by. I can't keep track of the days. But I, I know that uh, as your missions conference approaches, our missions conference is approaching. I'm reminded of um, uh, Dr. Earl Jessup preached our first couple of missions conferences. I don't know if you knew the Jessups, but uh, uh, Dr. Jessup helped us um, at, uh, in Vernon with the Baptist Church Planning Ministries. And, and something that he said, he said it's an amazing thing when you have uh, churches that are involved in the area of faith promise giving. And uh, here we have Grace Baptist Church. How many years now you've been here, brother? 22 years here uh, at Grace Baptist Church. I'm excited to see 100 missionaries. Uh, my family and I are so privileged and honored and humbled to be part of that family. Uh, and we thank you very much. Uh, for your faithfulness, not only in the, uh, just the support that you send each month, uh, but as you pray for us, um, we are really, truly overwhelmed um, at the churches that have partnered with us in Vernon, and, uh, and it's exciting to see what God is doing. But here's the, the wonderful nature of church planting and faith promise giving. As you're supporting 100 missionaries here, you've helped one of those missionaries, uh, the Allen family, get to Vernon at Okanagan Valley Baptist Church. And uh, we are coming up on 10 years there in Vernon. And by God's grace, we are able to support 19 missionaries through the faith promise giving. And so uh, really, uh, Pastor, through Grace Baptist Church, you're, you're at about 119 missionaries because um, that is the beautiful thing about giving sacrificially above and beyond the tithe and the faith promise giving. Um, you've helped us. And so what do we do? We turn around and we want to support missionaries. And then the churches that we support, they want to take on missionaries. And what you see, I think, is the Bible principle in Acts of multiplication. Uh, one church supporting another church, and they're multiplying, and they're multiplying, and they're multiplying. I mean, I think if you were to, any statisticians here today, anyone that just, you just love math, I mean, you can't go to bed at night until you solve a math problem. Anyone here? No one? Okay, so we might have a problem with this. But if you took all of your 100 missionaries, and you looked at the ministries that they they're serving in and then took their missionaries I wonder how many that would be boy I bet exponentially um, we would see uh, a huge uh, number of families around the world serving God through faith promise giving 
And, uh, and it's an incredible uh, testimony to the power uh, of, of the faith promise. And uh, we call it grace giving, but it's amazing to see what God is doing. I heard one great missionary said, and I wish I would have wrote it down. I, th I, I think it was William Carey, but I cannot remember. He said, I believe that God is calling enough men and women today to reach every tribe and nation with the gospel. It is not God who is not calling. It is man who is not listening. I truly believe with all my heart, even in a room this size, that God is calling men and women right now, this very moment, to the need of not only being a church-planting missionary here in Canada, uh, but around the world. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is not done working in the lives and hearts of mankind, and particularly in God's people in the area of missions. I enjoy hearing and reading about the missionaries that have pioneered works in faraway lands. Uh, our, as a family, we read a missionary story of... Um, Oh, oh, I should have, uh, Jim Elliott, there it is, Jim Elliott, and, uh, and the, the, the mission work there, and we've read uh, stories of David Livingston and the great missionary there. We had a time a couple of years ago to take a missions trip down to South Africa and to be with some of the South African churches, and I'm reminded of Robert Moffat, who in 1817 arrived in South Africa and faithfully served for 50 years, returning only once to the home in England, and whose daughter Mary, David Livingston, married. We know that David Livingston was a Scottish missionary, doctor, explorer, who helped open the heart of Africa to missions. His travels covered one-third of the continent from the Cape to near the equator and from the Atlantic to the Indian Ocean. That is incredible. He penetrated deep into the continent of Africa, Others can be named and remembered for their service and sacrifice. Um, but, uh, but I won't take time to deal with each and every one of them. As I muse upon these missionaries and, and servants of God, I, I cannot help but think about the mission field that we have right here in this land of Canada and the missionaries that have served here and pioneered works. I really believe this evening that a great missionary is not great because of where he or she serves, but who he or she serves and their extent of surrender to the God that loves them. I believe tonight that each and every one of us need to be a great missionary wherever God has placed you. That might be here in Surrey as part of the fire brigade. I hope you're part of the fire brigade. I know that uh, uh, we're slowly getting back into, uh, I don't know, can we say normal activities? Are we, are we normal yet? We're never normal, are we? Independent Baptists, we're a little bit abnormal. But that's okay, we're abnormal for Jesus. And uh, I'm glad for the fire brigade. And, uh, and I hope that you're a part of that. I hope that uh, when you get back into uh, reaching the different areas of Surrey, that you jump on board as a missionary here in Surrey. But I want to look at a man in the Bible that I believe helps us understand uh, the heart and the passion and the great need of men and women today in our local churches to be involved not only in home missions but foreign missions, but getting involved in the work of soul winning. This is a man that uh, uh, we don't have his name for, uh, but he certainly made a great impact. In Mark chapter number 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. 
who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Verse number 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and they were choked in the sea. I'm going to jump down to verse number 19. We are going to deal with these other verses in just a moment. But after this encounter with the Lord Jesus, we read in verse number 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I preached from this text in South Africa, and uh, I, I titled it, um, The Day Pigs Flew. And it's interesting, they didn't have a great Zulu translation for that. And the poor guy up there looked dumbfounded. He goes, could you say that title again? I said, I want to preach to you today, The Day Pigs Flew. And he just kind of, I don't know what he said. I don't know if he said this guy from Canada's nuts. But we read this wonderful account of this man and how he was greatly used of God to go home to his friends and his family and to preach unto them the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice as we just kind of work our way through this passage, um, really by way of introduction, the introduction is fairly long because I really want you to understand the context and, and kind of the story behind this man's life. Because one of the things I hear all the time, uh, especially from uh, uh, Christians who maybe are new in the area of soul winning, new in the area of missions, they go, oh, I, Pastor, God couldn't use me. I mean, look at me. I, I mean, do you know my past? Do you know my life? Do you know? I mean, uh, how could God possibly use someone like me? And I'm here to tell you if God can uh, uh, use a man like uh, this madman of the Gadarenes, if a God can use a man like Paul who stood and, and held the garments of those who stoned Peter, or uh, stoned Stephen, excuse me, if God could use Peter, just a coarse old fisherman, then I submit to you this evening that God can use you. And God can use you as a missionary either right here, but perhaps God is calling you and placed upon your heart a desire and, uh, uh, and you've seen the need to reach the world, maybe somewhere else, um, Europe, Africa, Asia, Canada, South America, Central America, I don't know where it might be. But if God can use a man like this, then certainly God can use you and I. 
We see, first of all, his sorrowful state. You read about this poor man in verse number 1 through 5. We see in this that he was naked. He lived in the tombs. He was cutting himself with stones. He couldn't be bound. They've tried to bind him with rope and chains. And every time he was so overcome by these uh, demons that they would, he would pluck them asunder and he would run around and, and, uh, and it would be awfully terrifying. Could you imagine having a guy like that for a neighbor? You go, Pastor, that is my neighbor no but I mean you might have you know it would just be absolutely terrifying to hear this man wail and cry and uh, uh, and moan there in the tombs he was living in bondage um, these demons had enslaved him and yet as I think and if we can make just some small applications as we look through the life of this man I want to submit to you tonight that those who are without Christ are in bondage to sin you see the Bible says that it is the truth that sets free sin always enslaves doesn't it sin always binds I'm reminded of uh, 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 something that William Booth said. He said, not called, you say? He said, not heard the call, I think you should say. He said, put your, put your ear down to the Bible and hear God bid you go reach the world. He said, put your ear down to the pitiful wails of men and women around you who are sinking low and sinking deep and sin. He said, it is not that God has not been calling. It is you and I today that have put the cotton in our ears and have refused to hear and to submit to perhaps the call of God in your life. I want to remind you today, as um, I, I'm from the Kootenays, a small town, and, and now in the Okanagan, I, I love and my kids love the, the many different um, uh, uh, nationalities that we get to, to minister to and talk with and, and serve along with. And, and it's amazing that here in Surrey and in Burnaby and around the world, many come to the college, the university, uh, uh, you know, UBC or Thompson or the Simon Fraser University, and many from around the world come here and maybe they're doing schooling here or maybe they're visiting family here and we have an opportunity to reach them with the gospel and um, and they can go back to their maybe their own countries we had a wonderful opportunity to see many exchange students come our way and to see them saved and go back and perhaps be missionaries right there but this man was in a sorrowful state but then I want you to see his confrontation with the Savior. I, I entitled this, I, I have it all alliterated. This will be really helpful for, for you. We see a sorrowful state. Here's another one. We see a sensational salvation. Sensational salvation. This man, as he confronts the Lord Jesus, look at it with me in the Word of God. He said, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Next, we see this man living in this horrible state. He is confronted with Jesus. Aren't you glad today that Jesus still changes lives? It's an astounding thing. When we see what the Lord Jesus Christ can do in a heart. I share this testimony often because for me personally in the ministry there at Okanagan Valley Baptist Church, I believe it, it helped us truly see um, in, a, in a really a remarkable way um, what Christ can do in a life. You see, as a result of just getting involved in soul winning, 
And by the way, it was really um, part of the, the, the pioneering work of Soul Winners Academy. I know that many of you perhaps have had a part of that and, and why I believe it's such a wonderful program uh, to bring people to Jesus Christ. We met a lady, uh, a man named Kevin, brought uh, uh, an old, um, she was in her senior years, uh, in her late, uh, boy, she must have been in her mid-70s when she started to come, uh, and uh, her name was Elma Twins. And, uh, and Elma Twins started to come uh, because Kevin drug her to church. She said, you're, you're coming to church, and it doesn't matter whether you want to come or not. And Elma kind of shrugged her feet and shuffled her feet and came to church. Um, as I got to know Elma a little bit, um, Elma Twins was a, uh, a survivor of the residential schools in, um, in, the, in Manitoba. And uh, um, I, I remember um, Elma later on called me and said, Pastor, Pastor, you've got to get over the house right away. And I got, oh boy, I jumped in my car and I, I drove over to Elma's. And Elma said, I got this letter from the government. And I said, I have to read it. It's concerning my court case that happened uh, many years ago uh, when all of this was coming to light. And she said, Pastor, if I read this, she said, it, it, will, uh, I, I, it will devastate me. I cannot relive um, what I had to testify uh, for. And I said, well, if you give it to me, well, she asked, she said, Pastor, could you read this? And if there's anything I need to do, would you please let me know? And I read that court transcript, and I'm going to tell you what, it absolutely um, horrified me uh, what Elma Twins had to endure. It was absolutely the saddest thing I've ever read in my life. It broke my heart. When Elma Twins came to us, um, Elma was probably one of the most angry, bitter um, individuals I've ever met. Hated men. Hated men. Would on a regular basis look at me and said, Pastor, I hate you, and I hate priests, and I hate pastors. They're evil people. And after I read that, I went, you know what? Those people were evil. But she kept on coming. And we got her involved. This was just before we started the Soul Winners Academy. I said, I didn't know what to do, uh, a pastor, so I put her through a Bible study. I just said, here's my discipleship program that we use. Would you meet with one of our dear ladies, uh, Melanie Franson? And for the next, I believe, 18 months, 18 months, Melanie Franson sat with Alma Twins and brought her through the, the discipleship. At the time, we were using the ABCs of Christian growth. And I remember one night, I got a phone call from Melanie Franson, and she said, Pastor, 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 Elma just got saved. I recorded her testimony on the day of her baptism. Elma said this, she said, Pastor, after I met Jesus Christ and after I got saved, she said, Pastor, do you want to know what? I no longer hate anymore. She said, Pastor, I'm able to forgive the priests that so hurt me. She said, Pastor, I no longer hate men. She said, Pastor, I have found a new love because Jesus Christ. She said, Pastor, I bought a plane ticket to Egypt because the priest told me that God, that Jesus was in Egypt. 
And she said, with some of that settlement money, I bought a ticket and I flew to Egypt. And she said, you want to know what, Pastor? I looked around Egypt and I couldn't find God in Egypt. She said, Pastor, then I remember the priest telling me that God was actually in England. And so she said, I bought another ticket and I flew to England. And she said, Pastor, Jesus wasn't in England. And she said, with a broken heart, she said, I, I bought a ticket and I flew back home to Vernon. And she said, guess what, Pastor? I found Jesus in Vernon. Elma died last year right in the midst of COVID. And I had the great privilege of preaching her funeral and standing before many of her family whom also had gone through that, that horrible time of the residential schools and preach the gospel. And I was astonished at how many of her family said, Pastor Allen, thank you for sharing Christ. I too got saved. I too became a Christian. I too trusted Christ as my Savior. What am I trying to say this evening? Something happened in this man's life and that something was less of a something, but a someone, amen? And it was Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something here today. You might be the one God uses to reach your Alma twins. There are many in Surrey and in Vernon who have been shattered and broken by the ravages of sin. And we have a great responsibility to declare the gospel and to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ to every person we come in contact with. We see this illustrated in this man's life. After being confronted with the Lord Jesus Christ, we see a stupendous switch in his life, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed in his, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. This would have been terrifying. This was the man that was cutting himself. This was the man that was screaming. This was the man that was totally beside himself. And now, after being confronted by the Lord Jesus Christ, he's now sitting down, he's clothed, he's in his right mind. That must have been terrifying. Is this a ploy? Is this a trick? Is he waiting for us to get close, and then he's going to pounce? They were terrified. But we see that this guy went from a raving lunatic, possessed and naked, to being sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And it was Christ who was the difference maker. We see verses 18 and 19, that after he is relieved and healed of these demons, he, he wanted to have a time of service with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice his sacrificial service in verse 18 and 19. He, well, notice here in verse 15, 16, and 17. Uh, when, when they saw this man and he's sitting and clothed in his right mind, they're terrified. And you know what they did? They actually asked Jesus to get lost. I always find that kind of amazing. I mean, here this great miracle has occurred. Uh, something uh, amazing has taken place. And, and all these city folk, all they could do was say, wow, this is too much. He said, you need to get out of here, Jesus. 
And they wanted to send him away. And Jesus, we read here, he comes to the ship in verse 18. And he said, and when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him. You know what that word means? He was begging him. That's what to pray means. It's to beg. And he was begging Jesus that he might be with him. Why? Because it was Jesus that intervened in this man's life and changed his course forever. But I want you to notice the instructions that Jesus gave. He said, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. Verse number 20 we read, And he departed, and began to publish, and to capitalize, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. We see his sacrificial service. And he goes out and for a space of time, he goes and he begins to preach Jesus Christ. He didn't have a great education. In fact, as he would walk into towns, there's no doubt in my mind that he still bore the scars from the many cuts and savage beatings he gave himself. Perhaps the scars from the ropes around his wrists perhaps where he cut himself with stones. I mean, I would imagine this, this fellow was not a, a pretty sight to look at, but he simply said, well, Jesus said, go home, and, and this is what Jesus said to do, and, and that's all that man did. And we see God did something. And this man, in his simple obedience to Christ's command to go home, something uh, amazing was accomplished in this region called Decapolis. How can we apply this today? I want to remind you today that if you're here and you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a powerful testimony of God's grace. And you have a powerful uh, testimony of the great things God has done for you. And I want to remind us, whether we're here in Surrey or going to Saskatchewan or going to Ethiopia, or going wherever you might go. Maybe it's to the Walmart. I don't know. Maybe it's to the local utility company where you work. I don't know. But wherever we go, that we have been given a commission. Many people say, Pastor Allen, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Can I remind you of something this evening? That there is no gift of evangelism. We are all commanded to go. You go, well, pastor, I, I, I don't really have the gift of gab. It's not about the gift of gab. It's about obedience to what God has commanded us to do. You go, pastor, uh, and we can come up with all sorts of excuses. Do you not think that this man could have had a list of excuses as to why he couldn't go back? He said, pastor, you don't understand. Uh, he said, Jesus, you know, I, I, I kind of... Got on the baker's bad side there in the city of Decapolis. I don't, I don't know if he'll want to see me. He, he probably did some pretty embarrassing and pretty awful things during that time of bondage. I bet if any man could come up with a list of excuses why not to go, it was this man. But it was simple obedience. What did we look at this morning? He simply went by faith. How do I know that? Because he took Jesus at his word and acted upon it. At Grace Baptist Church, at Okanagan Valley Baptist Church, 
We have been given a commission. And we see the dedication of this man in verse number 20. The Bible simply says, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. He wasn't a Bible college graduate. Probably not a highly educated man. But he knew this. He knew that once he was blind, but now he can see. Once he was in bondage, but now he was free. And the one who made the difference was Jesus Christ. And if you're saved today, that is your testimony. That Jesus intervened in your life. And now we have an opportunity. And may I say a responsibility and a duty to go and tell our friends, our family, whether at home or abroad, the great things God has done. Boy, we could almost pause there and give testimony, couldn't we? I mean, couldn't we stop right now and say, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Let me tell you what God has done in my family's life. Let me tell you what happened in my house, in my family. You know, for many generations, alcoholism was the chain that bound the Allen family. My dad was bound by alcohol. My grandfather was bound by alcohol. From what I understand of my family, my great-grandfather was bound by alcohol. But guess what? One day Jesus intervened. And my dad simply picked up a Bible at the request of a, of a, of a TV invitation. And the preacher said, read the book of John. And dad picked up the gospel of John and he began to read the gospel of John. And sitting there just reading through the gospel of John, my dad came to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. He figured, boy, I guess maybe I ought to go to church. He didn't know where to go. And wouldn't you know, a couple of door knockers came by. Now, you don't know my dad. I have a wonderful dad. But he looks kind of intimidating. He's not a big guy. But he has that body type where his head is like directly attached to his shoulders. And he just looks like if you messed with him, you know, it might not be a good thing. And so, you know, everyone that looks at my dad, they'd go, where, what happened to your neck? My dad was an usher. He looked more like a bouncer in the church. And we had two that looked the same. And Pastor White, they'd about fill the doorway. And they would stand there and they would sing in one verse. And their favorite song was, Give Me the Old Time Religion. And you'd see them and they'd sway in perfect synchronization. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. And people are trying to sneak through the ushers, you know, trying to get in. But something happened. These two door knockers looked at dad and said, Hey, uh, 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 would you like to come to church? My dad had just got off. Any night shift workers here, by the way? Any night shift workers? God bless you. I am, no weird, I am no way tough enough to work a night shift. Did it for two months. I said, I'm done. He got up off a night shift, big bags under his eyes, no, no, no neck, right? Comes to the door. Yes. He said, would you like to come to church? We'll be there on Sunday. <laughs> Close the door. Like all good faith-filled soul winners, <laughs> he ain't coming. <laughs> <laughs> And wouldn't you know it, hot Sunday, here comes dad. You know, I didn't know if pastor thought maybe he was irritated or what, but, you know, my dad has kind of like a, he's just, just a, he's an interesting guy. I love him. And here dad came in with three kids, mom in tow. 
some 35 plus years ago. My dad went on to preach at many different nursing homes. Helped start a faith-based alcohol recovery program. But how did that all come to play? Somebody told him of Jesus. There was a dedication, there's a design in this commission God has given to us. We know it well, we're to begin in our Jerusalem, right? Praise God. Man, I hope if you are not involved in the soul winning program here, get involved in your Jerusalem. And then in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost, it is our duty as God's people to start at home and get the gospel around the world. Solomon Ginsburg, if you've ever read his, if you've never read his uh, biography, he, he's, it's a really interesting story. He is known as the modern day Paul. He was a Polish Jewish missionary to Brazil. And this man went down, his dad, when, when, when Solomon Ginsburg got saved, he was in a very Orthodox Jewish home. His dad threw him down three flights of stairs, almost killed him. But Solomon Ginsburg became a great missionary uh, to, to many of the, the Catholics and the people there in Brazil. And he wrote this in 1922. He said, every time I pass through the city of Baha'i, it is one of my great privileges to preach to the 350 prisoners. One person converted in these meetings walked 300 miles from Baha'i to his hometown just to tell his relatives of the Lord's work in his soul. Could we not drive the 40 minutes or get on that Zoom meeting or get on that, you know, WhatsApp or whatever you use to maybe talk and to tell someone about Jesus Christ? Paul had that desire in Romans 10.1. And let me close with this. He had a given message. This man was simply told to go in verse number 19. He said, go home and tell them who? your friends, your family, what great things the Lord hath done has had compassion. I want you to notice very practically today, he didn't have a, a stellar reputation or education, but he simply utilized his testimony to tell others of the things of God. What was his testimony? Number one, he had a renewed mind. Remember, he was sitting clothed and in his right mind. We sing the children's song, the things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. And that's what this man simply did. I think each one of us could do that. He had a regenerated spirit where once controlled by Satan, he was now controlled by the things of God. And now he was in a right relationship. We're once at odds. The Bible says before we were saved, we were what? Enemies with God, right? But now that we have been saved, we are now, we have been made reconciled. This man simply went to his friends and said, listen, I have a renewed mind. I have a regenerated spirit and I have a right relationship. And he proclaimed Christ's testimony. He says, tell of God's compassion. And this man simply obeyed willingly. The Bible says he departed he obeyed joyfully. He began to publish. I like that word. It's not just tell. He published it like a book publisher. They don't print one book, 
When you publish something, typically it's in the hundreds, thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands. And he began to publish everywhere. And lastly, he obeyed abundantly because all men did marvel. You see, a great result occurred because of one man's obedience. He was a difference maker in his home because he simply did as the Lord commanded. Jesus Christ intervened. And here's the amazing thing. After Jesus leaves, I believe in verse 21, we see him coming back to that shore. What happened? Who, who kicked Jesus out? The people did, right? And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. You know, this one man influenced that area, and when Jesus came back, there was a lot of people on the shore waiting for him. And my question, actually my wife, she wrote this sermon. No, I'm kidding. She gave me this thought. She said, you know what, Richard, I was thinking about that. She said, I wonder who's going to be on our shore when Jesus comes back. Or are we going to be standing on our shore alone? Because we simply didn't use what God has given us. And that is a powerful testimony of God's grace in your life. Yes, you can be a soul winner for Jesus. Yes, you can be a missionary right here. BC, Canada, North America, around the world. But can I ask you this? Would you be willing tonight to sing that song that we sing so many times at an invitation and have it be your prayer, I surrender all. Is the Holy Spirit working and prompting in your heart saying, you know what, I need to get involved. There are some friends right now. As soon as I said friends, somebody popped into your mind and I need to tell them about Jesus Christ. 86% of people who visit a church for the first time come on the request of a friend or family member. So this week, who are you going to tell? And would you be willing to say, Lord, I surrender all. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.